0: Welcome to Season 3, Episode 9 of the Bandit About podcast series, which unfortunately will be the final episode for this current season, as I've been unable to organise interviews with everybody. Today's guest began his musical journey playing a jemba in a world music band. He didn't get to play the harmonica as much as he would have liked to until he began to attend an open jam and ended up running his own. For quite a few years This jam eventually led to him forming and playing in a band that still plays today But before I introduce today's guest It's first time for us to listen to the Bandit About theme song Which was written and recorded for the Bandit About podcast series By the very talented Catherine Lambert and Michael Mitzi Bryant It's pleasure that I welcome Roger Smith. Welcome, Roger, and thank you for making time to chat with me today.
1: Uh, it's a pleasure, Di.
0: Okay, Roger, let's start from the beginning. Where were you yep. born? I was born in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And um, what area did you grow up in?
1: I grew up in Woodville Park, lived there until I left home to get married at the age of 21, moved down to the southern suburbs for quite a while, and now I'm living in the city.
0: Roger, did either of your parents come from a musical background or anyone else in the family?
1: Funnily enough, yeah, they did. I never knew my father. He decided to disappear when I was four weeks old and he's since passed away. I never knew him, but I I did find out when I was a young lad that he was a pianist, guitarist and drummer in quite a few bands around Adelaide back in the, I guess it would have been the 40s, 50s, 60s. So, uh, yeah, quite interesting. I've seen a couple of billboard-type shots of he and the band playing at different clubs in Hindley Street. So, yeah, quite interesting. So I guess that's where it came from, Di. Yeah. My influence was the fact that all I ever listened to and all I ever wanted to listen to on the radio as a kid growing up was blues. And I didn't really care whether it was, uh, well, I preferred American blues, but I didn't care if it was uh, American or English or uh, European or Australian. As long as it was blues, I never actually liked any other genre. A bit the same now, really.
0: Did you study music when you went to school? No,
1: look, I couldn't really say I studied music. We had music lessons, but I was never really interested in what they were interested in, the teachers. And the other kids, there was another lad and I that used to love Hendrix and anything to do with Hendrix because, I mean, Hendrix is always blues-based. So, no, we didn't pay attention (laughs) to music (laughs) lessons at school. And, no, I had no formal training whatsoever.
0: What led to or who influenced you to start playing the harmonica? There was a period
1: in my life where... I wasn't able to listen to a lot of blues for reasons that I won't go into. I, I wasn't able to listen to a lot of music. As I was a teenager, we used to go to places like from Octagon to headquarters and, you know, see and hear people like Doug Parkinson in Focus and Chris Finn, funnily enough, who's now a good mate of mine. You know, anything that was blues-based back then, my mates and I were interested in. And I loved all of the instruments. I was always able to hone in on a particular instrument, whether it be drums, bass, guitar, harmonica, keyboard, whatever it was. And so I loved them all, really. So, no, I can't really pinpoint anything that turned me on to harmonica. At one stage of my life, I had a bit of time on my hands, and I bought a harp and blew into it. It sounded ridiculous. And I thought, well, that doesn't work, so I threw that in a drawer. Didn't once stop and think, well, that's because you don't know what you're doing. I bought another one about a year or so later, and same thing happened. Threw it in a drawer, and I thought, well, that's another 50 bucks gone. Then I had quite a bit of time on my hands. I was living on my own at the time. So I thought, well, perhaps I'd better pursue this a little bit further. I went and saw uh, John Haswell at WEA and did a few of his lessons. I think I did five out of the six WEA lessons with John. and Found that I picked it up fairly quickly and from then on I taught myself through internet and reading and listening and that's basically
0: how it started. What was the first band that you joined?
1: Uh, First band, I wasn't even playing primarily harmonica, it was more of a world music band and I was playing a gemba of all things. A very good friend of mine, Glenn Reynolds, introduced me to that. We got this band happening for a little while, we did a couple of appearances at the Folk Centre when it was down on George Street at Theberton and a couple of other places. But it wasn't what I really wanted to do. So I introduced a little bit of harmonica into that, but it was difficult because it was world music, not blues. Then a few years later, I was alerted to the fact that there was a very eclectic jam session happening at Bookends Bookshop on Only Road yeah. once a week. I thought, right, I'll I'll go down and check this out. It was quite ironical, actually, because there wasn't a hell of a lot of blues being played there, but it was just a group of people that would get there and take uh, some drinks and something to nibble, and would sit around a huge table in this bookshop and, and play music, and I would take an amplifier in with me, and one night in particular, Tony Pettis turned up. Tony and I got together at the jam session, and that seemed to work quite well, just on a very, very casual basis. Anyway, we met up at a few different places around Adelaide at jam sessions over the years after that, but it was probably five or six years later and I was getting a little bit sick of driving all the way from Coromandel Valley all over Adelaide to different jam sessions and coming home all hours of the morning. So I decided that I'd start my own. That happened at the RSL at Blackwood. So I ran that every week for six years. And I invited Tony along, obviously, and he said, sure, Rog, I'll be there. I phoned James Meston, who I jammed with quite a number of times, and he said, look, I might not always be able to make it, Rog, but I'll get Dad to come up if you like. And I said, well, what does he play? And he said, Hammond organ. I said, okay, great. And anyway, it evolved into the Blues Casters. So there was myself and went through a couple of drummers before we got hold of Craig. But our original drummer was Dean, who was not only a wonderful guy, but he was quite a good drummer and he'd been around the scene for a long time in Adelaide. We we still miss Dean. Unfortunately, he passed away probably 12 months after we formed. Anyway, we've got Craig these days and we love him and he's a great drummer. Pete on bass, Michael on Hammond, Tony on guitar and myself on harp. I think there's probably another eight blues bands that are still around in Adelaide that came from the Blackwood RSL Blues Jam. And uh, every now and then I'll bump into someone and they'll say, "Ah, oh, Roger, I don't know whether you remember me, but I used to come up to the Blackwood RSL and we've got a band by the name of such and such. So it was a great thing, really. That was 16, roughly 16 years ago, and we're still at it, still going strong.
0: Do you remember your first gig
1: with the Bluescasters? I can, and it was at the Old Clarendon Winery, and we used to go there to see bands play every Sunday. And when we, we got our act together and got a few songs up the sleeve, we put them together and uh, we said, well, we'd look, better look for a place to play. And Dean said, well, look, I'll contact the winery and see if there's any chance, because he didn't live far from there, and he said, well, see if there's any chance of getting a gig up there. They welcomed us with open arms. So we had a regular gig there, well, and from then for quite a few years until it closed down, unfortunately, and there's still a hell of a lot of people in Adelaide that missed those Sunday sessions at the Old Clarenor Winery. We just loved it. We got to know so many other bands, a lot of the crew that used to go to the Blackwood RSL ended up coming up there. It was a brilliant place to be on a Sunday afternoon and evening. And there again, a lot of bands came out of that. People would come up there and meet. Just fantastic. Yeah. We all enjoyed it a lot. We all still miss it. In fact, we played a private birthday show for a lady who also by the name of Di. I don't know whether she's going to be listening, but if she is, good day, Di. We'd played a birthday gig for her just a few weeks ago and, and half of the people that were there, probably more than half, were all people that used to come up to the Clarendon on a Sunday and they were all saying how much they miss it still and that was a few years ago now. So, yeah, one of those institutions that Adelaide's lost, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. That's
1: the way it goes. Things change.
0: Yeah, true. Do you have a memorable gig story that you'd like to share?
1: Oh, there's too many, Die. I think the most memorable gig gig die would have to be our first one which was at the winery yeah i mean we're just you know five guys that were extremely nervous even though quite a few of the well i think we'd all performed on stage before but it was a nervous thing because we knew probably 90 percent of the crowd and probably 20 percent of the crowd were musos <laughs> so um, that's probably the most memorable one and it was brilliant well, well i'm not saying we were brilliant but we had a great time there have been other gigs where we've been joined by Chris and people that, you know, are pretty well known around the place. We always have a great time, really. Uh, we had a memorable gig last Sunday where we played at the Wassail Wine Bar, just a little place down on Prospect Road. And there were a lot of new faces there, which was great to see. a few old ones as well. But, you know, playing at a, a new venue and perhaps a little bit out of the areas that you're normally used to playing, we really enjoy that. Hopefully, we're going to get a few new followers. They're all memorable. We love playing wherever it might be. Semaphore Workers' Club, The Gov. We've done a few festivals. Putnalunga Blues Festival, which myself and another guy actually, we kicked that off some years ago now and formed a committee. And I'm not in the committee any longer, neither of us are, but it's still going and and they're doing a fantastic job. So all of those gigs have been fantastic at the festival as well.
0: And you recently recorded when you played at the Murray Delta Duke Joint.
1: Murray Delta Duke Joint, probably one of the, I could almost say it's the best sound-wise venue in Adelaide. The boys are just doing a fantastic job. Seriously, they've just put so much time and effort and money into that place. And uh, yeah, we did a, a live recording down there, which Greg and Dave have uh, compiled for us and we're going to have a bit of a play around with that we'd like to release that a little bit later on we'll probably do another one too whether it's down there or somewhere else shortly we're not too sure but we're actually writing some new material at the moment so hopefully we'll sometime next year we'll be able to produce that as well
0: Well, I'm sure that fans of the Bluescasters are looking forward to being able to buy a CD.
1: Well, they keep telling us. (laughs) In fact, our last – which gig was that? I just can't remember which gig it was now, but um, a couple of guys came up and said, listen, we're a bit sick of waiting. You guys just extract the digit and get on with it. We we want to buy some music from you, so we are going to get our act together. We have been a little bit slack, but when – Most of us are still working. Well, I am for another six weeks from yesterday. So, you know, when you try and combine working with recording and playing gigs, it gets a little bit much sometimes and, you know, something has to give. But a few of us will be retired shortly, so we'll get on with it, hopefully.
0: Roger, is there a band that you wish that you'd had the opportunity to play with?
1: It would have been nice to play with the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. James Harmon Band. There's a lot of them, actually, particularly the Thunderbirds. I mean, back in the day, uh, they were absolutely brilliant. But I'm afraid I'm not up to Kim Wilson's standard die. No? No. No, definitely not. <laughs> brilliant player. Probably another one of your questions is other harmonica players that I follow. Uh, there's quite a few of them. There's uh, Gary Smith, Kim Wilson, um, Aki Kumar, William Clark. Rick Estrin, of course, from the Nightcats, James Harmon. I've actually met both of those guys, Rick Estrin and James Harmon. I met James Harmon when I was in the States, Die, when you were over there. When yeah. we continued yeah. on up to Chicago, we found that there was a, I think it was St. Louis, the boys will probably correct me there later, but we found that James Harmon was playing. Unfortunately, he's passed away now. Yeah, and there he was in all his glory. He was still brilliant, probably not up to the standard that he was when he was a young man, but, yeah, lovely guy too. I met him and we just had a just a quiet chat. A very, very nice man, but unfortunately, yeah, he passed away, I think it was earlier last year. Yeah, and Rick Estrin I, I met when he was playing at the Gov a few years ago now, and I, I had a particular question that I wanted to ask him. It was about part of his stage equipment, which he was only too happy to go into detail with me about. Wrote down the details and told me where I could find them, bring one over from the States. And there are quite a few heart players in Adelaide now that are using this bit of equipment and it works perfectly too. Excellent. I was talking about James Harmon. Mm-hmm. I actually modelled my amplifier, which is is handmade by uh, Peter Sulos here in Adelaide, who is at brilliant tech so if anyone out there needs some work done on an amp or a mic or a guitar or anything of the like he's the man if you want his details just contact me he's absolutely brilliant however i got pete to make my amp to the same specifications as james Harmon. but when i saw him playing in the states he wasn't using that amp so i asked james where his 63 vibraverb had got to with a 15 inch speaker in it He said, Oh, Roger, he said it's a sad tale but true. He said, I've I've had all my gear stolen. Unfortunately, he couldn't afford the insurance to have them replaced. So he's had to play through something a bit different, which is okay. He's he's now playing through Quilter amps, which I think have actually been donated by Quilter or were before he passed away. So he was getting a nice sound, but it wasn't the same as what we're all used to unfortunately his situation i would say was probably brought about by the fact that even a lot of the big artists in the states aren't actually paid by the venue they're they're paid by a donation jar sitting on the stage chip jar so it makes a little bit difficult for a lot of them we do it on a thursday night at the gov that way but we're also paid by the Gov. That's just a top-up. We really appreciate that. But when that's all you've got to rely on, it makes things very difficult. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Anyway. Okay, so now that you've spoken about the app that you use, we'll talk mm-hmm. about the rest of your setup. So what sort of harmonica do you use? I
1: use mainly Hona Blues harps. I do have some special twenties and marine band harps. They're the ones that I prefer. I did start playing originally Lee Oscars, but I found the quality and the sound just wasn't what I was looking for. But That's what I'm using these days. Mm-hmm.
0: And what about your microphone?
1: Microphone is an original JT30 phone. It's about a 1965 with a crystal element in it. I've also got a, a static 200, which is a magnificent microphone, I think. A Baker Light style microphone, but it doesn't have a, the volume control, so I'm going to address that shortly, and that that actually gives an entirely different sound. That it really boosts the bass. It's a great mic. I've got a, a lot of others too, but they're the main ones I use. It's mainly the, the static JT that I prefer. Amps, well, there's the one that I was telling you about, which is model 63 Fender Vibroverb, and I've got a 15-inch alnico speaker in that with what's called a low-dope cone, which gives it a bit more movement. I was finding that where we're living at the moment is we've got quite a few stairs to get in and out. When our new apartment's ready, we'll have a lift, but that's a few months off yet. But I was finding that extremely heavy to get up and down, so I was looking for something a little bit lighter, and I came across a Fender Superchamp XD, which is a tube amp again. Hasn't got a tube rectifier, but it's only a 15 watt with a 10 inch speaker. But wow, it really cuts through. It's a little bit thin and toppy for my liking, but I'm making it work. So it's it's really good, and it weighs virtually nothing in comparison to the old one. And I've got a Kinder, a John Kinder American feedback suppressor that I use. They're the main things. A couple of other little odds and sods that I. I hook into it as well but they're the main one
0: how do you prepare yourself before a show
1: a <laughs> couple of beers right? <laughs> <laughs> probably more than a couple that's not absolutely necessary but i just like to have a couple of beers that's all look to be honest there's not a great deal of preparation any other preparation most of it's it's really setting the pa and up for the gig if we're supplying the pa most of the time these days we don't have to. We're playing in venues that it's already supplied, which is fantastic. I like to get there fairly early ahead of the boys, set up the cabling and as much of the PA as possible so they're not all falling over. And then it's just a case of doing a sound check. So that's really the main preparation, just making sure that everything is laid out correctly, everything's in its place and that the sound's working well and we're not getting interference from outside or whatever. That's it, basically. Number one thing is a couple of beers.
0: (laughs) How has the pandemic impacted
1: you? It affected us in the same way. It affected everyone else, I guess, die, you know. Gigs dropped off. We had to cancel a number of gigs because we were all falling foul of COVID. So that was pretty annoying, you know, when you drop from, you know, one or two gigs a week down to perhaps one in, a month, and then you've got to pull it because one of the band members is crook. We're all in the same boat. You can't blame anyone. It's just the way it is. We were certainly impacted by it, just as everyone was. Things are starting to get back to normal now, which is great. Yeah.
0: Was there a positive at all that came from that period that wouldn't have occurred for you otherwise?
1: Not as far as music goes. No? I think there are a few other things that have come out of it, but not as far as music goes. I suppose it gave us the chance to perhaps have a bit of a break and stop and think where we want to go musically and what we want to do, not that it's changed much, really. And I probably I always find, too, if I have a break, like last year we went to Bali for two months and I played a lot over there, but I didn't play with the band, obviously, with my band. So by the time I got back, I was breaking my neck to get back with the boys and get on with it. So it gives you a, a bit of a boost. I think just missing the the usual gigs, you feel a bit energised, I think, by the time you kick off again and just like starting over again, really. If you play a lot, and we don't play as lot as some of the guys around town, but we play a lot more than a lot of others. So if you do play a lot, it it seems sometimes to get almost a little bit mundane, you know. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if, oh, bloody hell, here we go again. But if you have a little bit of a break, you tend to – get a bit revitalised and you get your energy back and you think, oh, wow, I just can't wait, you know? Yeah. So probably that's about the only positive thing I got out of it, I think.
0: Roger, if you could only offer one tip to a brand new harmonica player, what would it be?
1: Don't overplay. Shut up. Listen to what's going on in the band. Just because you've got this new instrument, don't think it's all about you. I teach as well, Di. The first thing that I teach my harmonica students is that they're part of the band. It's their job as well as it's the job of every other musician in the band to make the band sound as good as possible for whoever's listening. So it's not all about them. and, And unfortunately, it's not just harmonica players, but it's mainly harmonica players. They've got this instrument. They think they know how to play it. They think they know everything. And they're going to get hold of this instrument and they're going to play their guts out. Well, it's just not the way it works. I always say to my students, you'll start going to a few jam sessions, you'll turn up and nobody knows you, and you'll approach a couple of guys and say, Look, do you mind if I join in? And they'll say, What do you play? And you'll say harmonica and they'll say, No, you're right. Thanks for the same. And the reason being that a lot of guys and girls that play will get up there and just, play over the top of everyone and it's annoying for the other players it's annoying for the punters it just puts everyone off so that's the thing I say you know watch your volume watch feedback that's another real big problem I teach not only how to play but how to control your feedback where to place your your microphone where to place your amp or where not to place them how to dial up your amp how to get the most volume possible when you need it for your solos without causing that feedback problem. So all of those things are really important. But I would say, yeah, the first thing, don't overplay.
0: Excellent. Now, you mentioned players that you enjoy listening to earlier. What about locally? Who do you enjoy listening to locally?
1: Now, I could get in strife here because a lot of my mates in mind, if I don't mention someone, I'm going to be in in strife, but no. Look, Snooks, obviously, brilliant player. Mark Winston, brilliant player. Nate Dawson, brilliant player. Bobby Blues, brilliant player. We've all played on the same stage at some time, usually at the gavel somewhere like that. Danny Deans, who I helped out for a little while there. Yeah, they're probably the main ones. Sorry, boys, if I've left you out. (laughs) <laughs> n't everybody
0: gets put on the spot, Roger. Dave, of
1: course, you know another great player. There's quite a few of them out there really, and there's a few others that are coming up through the ranks at the moment too that are really, really doing well. and as time goes on they're they're really shaping up, they're going to go places. so that's well, a good scene at the moment.
0: Yeah. Roger, if you could invite any musicians to play in a concert with you anywhere in the world, who would you call?
1: And where would you play? Oh, well, Albert Hall, if I could get the Thunderbirds again, (laughs) because one of their most famous recordings was done there. Yeah, that would be brilliant. If the likes of uh, Little Walter or Sunny Boy were still around or Muddy Waters Band, I mean, how good would that be? But unfortunately, none of those guys are around these days. Aki Kumar from the States, probably a name that a lot of people don't know. If you don't know and you're into harmonica, look him up. Apparently, he's a really nice guy, but he's a bloody good harp player too. He's real good. Jams a bit with Gary Smith and a few other guys from time to time. They did a few jams and live recordings during COVID, which were quite interesting. That would be it, though, I think. Getting together with Kim Wilson and the Thunderbirds would be brilliant.
0: That'd be the one? That'd be the one. Mm. Excellent. Roger, is there something that you've tried to play that you couldn't get right or you weren't satisfied with the way that you played it? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> I really want to hone my skills on uh, chromatic harp more. Probably not all that suited to the blues casters. Tend to be a bit more rocky. rocky that I'd like sometimes. Quite often, really, but I still enjoy it. But, yeah, I'd like to hone in my skills on chromatic harp a lot more. There have been times when we've been asked to play, and I can't, sort of pinpoint anything just at the moment die but you know every now and then someone will say, oh can you play such and such and the boys might say yeah we'll do that and i think you mongrels you haven't asked me There's a lot of harp in that it happens to everyone and you know damn well that a lot of harp involved and that i haven't played it before and then i know exactly how it should be played and of course we just play it and I'm never real happy with just doing it off the cuff because I know damn well that it, it's not as it should be. But the punters, you know, nine times out of ten, they'll come up and say, oh, that was fantastic, well done, and all the rest of it. But, you know, in yourself, that it wasn't the best. You can usually pull it off, but it's a bit of a difficult one, but it happens to everyone, I'm sure.
0: I'm sure it does. Other than the blues casters, is there anything else that you're doing at the moment? I know that you've recorded previously with Lazy Eye. So is there anything else coming up for you?
1: I really enjoy that too because it takes you out of your comfort zone and it gives you the opportunity to obviously to play with other people and it gives you the opportunity to play something a little bit different usually. So yeah. I really do enjoy that. i recorded with Evan and Erica and quite a few others actually over the time. But no, there's nothing coming up at the moment that I'm aware of. But I welcome it with open arms if anyone out there needs a heart player to fill in or to do a recording or whatever, I'll be there. Where do
0: you see yourself in the next 10 years? I don't know.
1: It's a hard one, diet. We're all getting older. It's something you need to be aware of when you are getting older. Can't see a lot of change in the next 10 years. Depends on how the bluescasters go. I mean, we've been together for 16 years now. Three of us in particular are getting up there. And 10 years' time, I'll be well into my 70s, and I think I'll be fine. It's hard to know whether we'll all still be together or whether the blues castes will still be together and we'll just have a different lineup. Who knows? So it is a bit of a difficult one. My wife and I do want to travel. Oh, we've already traveled quite extensively, actually, but we want to do even more because I'll be retiring shortly. So that might be another hiccup for the band. Not that they'll stop playing as the blues casters by any means. You know, they'll quite often get Mark Hawkins in and play sax and guitar or, you know, someone else perhaps. And that's fine. So it's a bit difficult to die. Mm. Don't really know the answer to that one just at the moment.
0: Fair enough. What do you hope to have achieved before you do stop playing?
1: Well, I think the first thing is another album and hopefully a DVD as well. That's the main thing on the agenda for all of us. To be honest, another thing that we have discussed a few times is entering the Blues Challenge again to get over to Memphis. We may, we may not. We're not all for it. So, probably if we do go in it again, it either won't be the full lineup or it'll be a different lineup. It's on the agenda though. We might look at that again for next year and see how we go with that. But I think a DVD and a new album would be the main ones, Doug.
0: Excellent. Before we end our chat today, I'm going to ask Roger 20 quick random questions or as many as we can get through in the space of two minutes to close the interview. Are you ready, Roger?
1: Yep, go for it, Don.
0: Excellent. Your time starts now. What was the first album that you purchased?
1: Uh, it was a um, Joe Cocker album many, many years ago. I can't remember the name of it.
0: What was the first concert that you went to?
1: Um, It was a Hoadley's Battle of the Sounds.
0: (laughs) Name a band you wish you'd seen perform live.
1: Uh, I'd have to go back to the Fabulous Thunderbirds.
0: What was the first song you learnt to play on the harmonica?
1: Look, I can't remember, do I? So, pass?
0: Okay. Name a famous harmonica player that you'd love to meet. Uh, Kim Wilson. What is your favourite song to play on the harmonica?
1: Oh, there's too many, to die. I'll pass on that one.
0: True or false, Harley Davidson's began to appear on Australian roads around 1912. True. Correct.
1: I ride one.
0: I know. Your favourite venue to play in?
1: Uh, Semaphore Workers Club.
0: What was the last concert that you went to? Uh,
1: it was it was Billy Brand in Chicago.
0: The first single that you purchased? Pass. Favorite holiday destination? Paris. Name one thing you cannot live without.
1: My wife.
0: Vinyl or CDs? CDs. What was the last album that you purchased?
1: Um, James. It was a James Harmon album.
0: We're out of time. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you once again, Roger, for joining me for the Bandit About podcast today. You've been great to chat to, and I hope that everyone who listens finds this as enjoyable as I did.
1: Thank you, Di. My, much appreciation. I, I really enjoyed it too.
0: All of the information and links relating to today's interview can be found in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please share the link with your friends. Until next time, it's goodbye from me, Dice Spillane, Bandit About. Proudly supporting live music. Bye.
1: Thank you. See ya.
0: People talking, but they just don't know. It's in my heart of why I love you so.
1: I love your baby like a who of gold. Come on, sugar, let the good times roll. Make believe. to keep a lot of dead up in their sleeves.
0: My little baby ain't the kind of fool. Come on, sugar, let the good times roll. Mm-hmm. Let the good times roll. Good times, roll.